You're listening to Grace for the Grind, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. We're here to encourage and equip you through the ups and downs of life and ministry, because each of us needs some grace for the grind. Welcome to Grace for the Grind. I'm Dan Stenberg. And I'm Mike Natal. And today we're talking to Matt Renitz and Paul Fouquet, who serve at Rock of Ages Church in Seattle. And they're joining us today to talk about the block party their church held at the end of August. Now, Matt's married to Julia. They have three kids, and he's been the pastor at Rock of Ages for three years. Paul's been married to Ashley for four years and has served at at the Rock in a variety of capacities over the past 10 years. Over the past decade, bro. Like, you've been there a while. Well done. Nice work. But hey, it's great to have you guys here today. Thank you for joining us. We're, we're looking forward to talking. All right. So before we get started, we usually like to ask an icebreaker question. And before <laughs> we started recording, we had a lot of conversation about sports. So this kind of gave me an idea for our icebreaker question. Could each of you share with me what your biggest heartbreak moment was when it came to sports? I think Daniel and I would be the same. It's not even, that's not even nice, dude. I mean, Daniel, you can, you can share as well. It's not even nice, man. Well, I'll go first because it just like didn't, I didn't even have to think about it. It is so clear. And Daniel's, you know, nodding along for those of you who can't see. I can't remember what Super Bowl it was, but when the Seahawks could went back to 49, it was Super Bowl 49, 49, you know, the Patriots intercept us there on the goal line on what second down we could have thrown it to. I mean, we could have ran it. The worst part of that, the worst part of that is that everybody is always like, you should have just given it to Marshawn Lynch. And no one has any idea. They just show their ignorance when they say that because it's the stupidest thing. And it makes me so mad. That was a mean question, dude. (laughs) You're supposed to throw the ball there. You're not supposed to run it, but it was a bad throw, and it was the wrong throw. When you're in 11 personnel and they come in with their goal line group, you're, and, and Marshawn Lynch has had a terrible season getting two yards and the freaking goal line, you don't run the ball. You throw the ball. We just threw it to the wrong person, and uh, freaking Butler made a great play. I've said that a lot on this. It's yeah, going to yeah. have to get cut. It's getting cut. <laughs> That dude's never going to listen to our podcast again. <laughs> that one dude's going to be like, this guy's got to go. This is exactly what I wanted out of this question. <laughs> it was, this is so glorious. Like, these are the type of questions that I can't ask with Ryan because Ryan's like, what is sports? sports <laughs> That's his favorite so, thing. Matt, do you want to share what your biggest heartbreak has been in sports? Oh, shoot. You know, I, I think actually it involves me doing sports ball. I was uh, a freshman yeah, playing football. And by playing, I I did not <laughs> because I was really bad. Uh, but they did the starting lineup, you know, and we line up in the end zone. And they introduce the players and we form a tunnel and they run out and then they go out to midfield and slap hands and all the things, right? And then at the end, after the last person goes, the whole team rushes out and it's all happiness, right? So for I was at the end and I started running, but then I tripped and the rest of the team tripped over me and we lost the game. I don't know if it was as a result of us just falling flat on our faces because of me or... Yeah, that's rough. If we were just bad. (laughs) It's probably because we were bad, but uh, that was heartbreaking. 
that wasn't a good start to my uh oh man my yeah, amateur hard. football career so that does hurt. <laughs> all right now let's talk about something a little bit more cheerful daniel why don't you ask the first question that we have for them today yeah so again we had you guys on to talk about this block party so can you tell us about what you guys do like what is this block party uh what what took place as you held this at rock of ages the block party started years ago actually but we've gotten a little bit better at it each year kind of learning from mm-hmm. mistakes but anyway uh i'm sure you're aware of national night out it's like a huge deal especially in our neighborhood all the different streets block. not aware of national night out so if you can tell me what that is that'd be awesome <laughs> it is a national sanctioned thing only the neighborhoods and blocks that want to do it do it um, but like our neighborhood here in Finney Ridge, Greenwood is really into it. They like, kind of, you kind of pick a night with your fellow neighbors, block off your street and you get like, you know, street closed signs and you have like, you know, potluck or different kind of party with your neighbors. It's to raise, you know, awareness and get to know your neighbors. So your neighborhood's more safe. So anyway, our neighborhood goes nuts with that. So the first year we did it, it was kind of like, Let's piggyback on that because people are already out. We could have live music, a bounty house, things like Mm -hmm. that. And maybe people will wander over. What we realized in that first year is like we put all our efforts into having people work the things. Like we made a lot of food and had to have like volunteers in all these different areas. All our people were kind of occupied, you know, working, not chatting with people. Also, to piggyback on the night out didn't work out so well because everyone was occupied on their own street. And was like, Hey, I got my own party. Right. So I'm not coming to your party. That was probably like five, six years ago. And we've since then just, you know, changed the date, changed how we do things with the same heart and mind, you know, we kind of do our own thing in a separate night away from national night out. And sweet. So what does that look like? We have uh, live music and that's uh, actually uh, something we changed this year. We've like hired people and flown them out. You know, that's kind of an expensive bill. But then we were like, okay, let's let's reduce that and go local. <laughs> and this year we just used our actual neighbors who have musical gifts, and it was awesome. So we have live music, but intermits like m- musicians changing. We do like trivia, or we'll and, and give away gift cards to local businesses. We'll do like games to make people look silly up front. Like this year we did raffle karaoke. If you put your name in raffle, you had to sing one of the songs on our list, but you won a gift card if you did it. That was a hoot. We do a kids' corner. We used to do a bouncy house. Kids' corner is, you know, face painting, games with water, whatever kids want to do. We volunteer people over there. We have a cornhole tournament with other yard games. And uh, yeah, what else, Matt? We set up tables and we buy a bunch of pizza from the best pizza shop known to man, which happens to be a block from the church. So we kind of have that going for us. And The ridge, we, right? We, yeah. yeah, the Ridge. Yeah. The Ridge. It gives us a good discount, and they're good friends of ours. Their people yeah. come to our stuff. Nice. Yeah. Paul's their pastor. You know, I think that's the, I mean, that's that's his role there. So, yeah, so we, you know, dish out a, front, a bunch of free pizzas the last couple of years. Previous years, we, like, made food, right? You know, but uh, this year, we just had a few people help dish up, and then the cooking responsibilities were on someone else, and we paid for it and freed up our people to to talk with other people. So, so that's pretty, nice. pretty neat. Yeah. Dish out free coffees. We have the coffee cart that we normally do uh, each Saturday. We dish that out there and serve up caffeine at, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. So yeah, dude, we got to keep them around. Every one of our 
local yeah. peeps kind of playing music, they invite their local peeps to come out, you know? So yeah. it was like, mm-hmm. then hiring some like, you know, person that's not famous, but yet far away and expensive who didn't know anybody in our neighborhood. It was expensive and less effective than this was. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Yeah. This year. So as you envision this block party, what would you hope the goal of doing something like this would be? Like, why did you decide to do this? I think that uh, we do this with a lot of our outreach ministries. We have a committee that thinks up those things, especially in our neighborhood. People have this idea that the church is like a separate group of people. And often they're hurt by the church. They have like deep wounds and they're kind of like, ah, there's this barrier between us and the church. Also, I don't want to enter into that. So we don't really have this agenda of like, hey, now that you've interacted with us, come to church. But actually being generous to our neighbors, becoming their friends, and loving them without any sort of agenda. And often it sparks gospel conversations that they start. Now, are there ways or or things, maybe conversations that you've had within your church to help prepare them for these gospel conversations, right? Because, I mean, we all have people maybe sometimes like come into our church and like, how how well are we greeting them? Well, now you're setting up, you're intentionally Mm -hmm. setting up an entire situation designed for interaction. I mean, it sounds like this is this is obviously an investment for you guys. If you're paying other people to come in so that your people can be freed up to spend time with people, which I think is awesome. Like, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. How have you prepared your church for those interactions yeah. with those people? Yeah. So like we, we were talking about this yesterday, actually. We didn't this year. We, we did nothing in terms of like, hey, so this is how you're going to approach a conversation with someone or that's how you do small talk. Like we just kind of trust our people to be adults, you know? Sure. But then also, you know, I think it's, there is more of a, didn't feel the need to do it this year. I think in future years we will just because it's always good to train, but our people love their neighbors and they're committed to our congregation. And they know as we've been talking more and more about what evangelism looks like in this day and age, talk from the pulpit about the experiences that I have. Paul does the experiences that we have out in the neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. I feel like our congregation, a good number of them have kind of caught rather than us like teaching so -hmm. much. They've kind of caught more of the mindset of when you're approaching someone and you're talking with them, sharing the gospel first in this day and age is about listening to them. It's sharing the gospel. We think about that as speaking it because that's what it is. We're bringing good news to people. We're proclaiming it. But in this day and age, I think the f- it begins with listening to them. And if we can't do a good job of listening to them, there's no way that they're going to listen to us when we try to share a message with them. And so like, we've been kind of really just emphasizing that over the last couple of years. So we didn't actually need to do any training for this year. Mm-hmm. And... We just noticed like our people were actively engaged in connecting with strangers who came and it was, I don't know, it was really beautiful to see. And it was something that we didn't, we probably could have done a better job of like, Hey, just so you know, remember this. And we didn't do that, (laughs) but it just happened. So that's encouraging. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It's kind of awesome too, because I think we have some natural things cooked into what we're trying to do here that train people. Mm -hmm. Just like the coffee cart, you know, we do that yeah. every Saturday. You guys want to share a little bit more about that? I've seen that go on in Facebook, but maybe some of our listeners aren't familiar with it. What do you guys do with that? Yeah, it's the same same concept. 
a simple gesture of generosity and love for our neighbor without an agenda. So like we were like, what can we do easily? We have a lot of foot traffic around our church. So we push a solid out piano outside that has now been you know made into a coffee cart. We train up some people who can actually make all the coffees that they would get at a coffee shop. Not to say that they're the same quality. Still I would say that it's good quality. We have like dog treats, waters, other neighbors bring like treats and things. But through that, like many of our people who had been a part of just ministry as we're most familiar with, like, you know, different in the 80s and 90s, it's not like, hey, give them a coffee. And then when they're like, oh, cool, why are you guys doing this? Like, oh, this is our church. Service is at 1030 on Sunday. We don't, we actually like coach our people, hey, don't do that. Ask questions like, hey, what are you guys out doing today? Oh, do you live in the neighborhood? Like, you know, where do you work? Get to know the person, love them. They might ask you a question. And more often than not, people are like, why the heck are you being so nice? Like, why do you care about me? That's weird. You know, and those spark really gospel conversations. And so just that being a part of the DNA here for a long time, I think when we approach things like the block party, people are like, oh, this is our mission. You know, so it was kind of cool. So, yes, we didn't have formal training. We have to do evangelism. <laughs> like, we have to. <laughs> so. Well, there's a difference between formal training and just having that be a part of the culture of the church that people are picking up. And I think it's important for us to recognize that, too, that maybe we don't have to do as much formal training if we're investing mm-hmm. in making that a part of just the DNA of who we are as a congregation, which is what it sounds like you guys have going on over there at The Rock, which is pretty cool. Like, that's really encouraging. Long time. Yeah. So as you're looking back, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but what went like really well at the party? You said that there are some things that like, you know, as you've done this through the ages or the years, <laughs> ages, <laughs> as you've done this through the years, it's, uh, you know, you've, you've just made some changes, which means that probably next year you'll be making some changes. What's one of the things you're like, we are holding on to this. Now you've already mentioned that you had people from the community do the music. So I'm not going to let you keep that one. All right. That sounds great. I love that idea. That can't be the answer to this question. What is something else that you're like, we really like how this went and we're going to make sure that we do this next time. Hold on though. We are going to keep that and we are going to talk more about that because here's I want why. you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't want that to be the answer to this question. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that sure. that is fantastic. I think it's super rad. It's just that you already gave that answer. So it's. Yeah. So, but here's one of the cool things. And it's just kind of seeing, seeing Jesus as, at, at work because we didn't plan necessarily for that to be the case. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. That happened as a backup thing. So Paul and I, we had some people like, I shouldn't say Paul and I, Paul had, Paul, just so you guys know, Paul is the one who like plans the whole thing. I have very little part to do with this. Okay. So most of the credit for this goes to him and the outreach committee. They did awesome with it. Paul had a number of people lined up to play music and they all couldn't do it. And so we're like, oh, shoot, what do we do? And we're thinking and it's like, I had just seen like a Ted Lasso episode where they had a, someone bus. The brusker, baby. Someone who yeah, was busking. Man. Yeah. Oh, dude, and they brought that. him onto the stage and it was awesome. And it's like, wait a sec. We have a number of people who are busking around at like Ken's Market and around the neighborhood and they're really good. And there's one guy in particular who's amazing. He's like, do you think if we like, you know, paid him that he would do it? So Paul followed up on it, got him. Uh, His name's James, really cool guy. And he played one of the sets and he was amazing. Like he was 
legitimately amazing. But that was a thing where we hadn't planned to do it that way. And it was kind of a plan B. And it ended up being a really good plan. So That's awesome. I think that one sticks out. I think one of the the things that like that worked out really well and we would like to see maybe a little bit more of an adjustment to it is like we've partnered with the Ridge with pizza. That's been really great, right? We've partnered with different groups in the past and that's been great. A different church that ran bouncy house for us. That's been really good, but we had an opportunity to have the face painting corner and someone who's a part of our kind of parish, but doesn't come to our congregation. She actually ran the face painting for us and she's not a believer right now. Okay. She doesn't come to church, but Paul knows her. She's a waitress at the Ridge and a relationship has been being formed with her. And we were able to have her serve with us in mm-hmm. doing this really good thing for the community. Another woman who's frequents the coffee cart, uh, Elizabeth, she's an absolute gem, not a Christian, and is the most active non-member of our church, <laughs> I would say. Awesome. Doesn't come to worship services, but she is a member of the coffee cart religion, <laughs> as she says. And she is just an absolute gem. She supplies us our coffee most often. She buys coffee for it and she baked goodies. And it's, it's just like thinking there are people who are not like committed to the mission of this congregation, but we're pastoring them. We're caring for them. And we see them kind of on a bit of a, they're on the path to faith. We're hoping and praying for, but they need opportunities to have a part in our congregation, actually, and the things that we're doing. And we're just thinking, like, boy, this is actually a way for them to kind of get invested before they believe everything. So it's really cool. I look for more opportunities like that. Less the church is putting on the block party, but the neighborhood is putting on the block party and mm-hmm. kind of breaks down those walls between, like, and, and I'm not saying that the wall is bad, but uh, we want to be amongst the people in our community, you know? We obviously have you know, faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and some of them aren't there yet or don't want that at all. But we are still people who love them and we all are mm-hmm. you know, doing this block party together. And I think Matt nailed it. That's exactly what we're talking about. So I will say this. It does bring yeah. risk <laughs> and it is messy. Like Elizabeth cusses <laughs> like a sailor, love her to death. There's maybe some things we sure. wouldn't have her do. Yeah. Waitress, you know, she's doing face painting. She's covered in tattoos and a number of them are, are naked women. And, you know, that was kind of an interesting thing to have her doing face painting for a bunch of the little kids while a bunch of naked women sure. are on her arms. You know, it's an interesting thing. It might make some people uncomfortable. It doesn't really make us too uncomfortable, though. But that's, just, that's kind of the, the world out, outside is a little bit wild and it doesn't necessarily fit all the standards and procedures that we often have in church. And so when you do involve people that are a little bit more wild, um, it's a little bit crazy, but it's fun. So you should do it. So as you guys continue on doing this block party, what are some things that you'll do differently next time? I'm sure you guys are learning, constantly adapting. What are some things that happened this year that you said, you know, maybe we should think about doing it differently for next year? When it started, it was like the draw was the music. 
And I noticed that there's a lot of other things that we can do up front that get people involved, that give people stake in this block party. So one, I think we might make it like a little bit longer Mm -hmm. starting a little bit earlier in the day because like people were still having fun and we were kind of like, oh, it's getting dark out. And two, giving people more time up front. Like this is more of a community event and you don't have to be a musician to be, you know, a big part of this. Like other gifts can be offered. We have artists and other things that are, you know, present in our community like they could go up front and share their gifts too, especially as we kind of, and while we were fortunate to have really awesome musicians, like we don't hire big time musicians, <laughs> you know, we're inviting people in from our community to play, like let mm-hmm. the emphasis be or just gifts up front. So, or fun, mm-hmm. fun, you know, the, give away the gift cards and have fun up front, get people involved. So. Yeah. Seeing how we can do more like community building yeah, rather than like, here come to a show mm-hmm. you know i think there's a balance right like you come to this thing because people don't show up to come to community right they show up to go to a thing but we want to build community right and so figuring out how we can can do that more we're, we're dreaming on it we're praying on it yeah. yeah dude no it sounds great and you guys have like given a bunch of ideas and thoughts and encouragements and, and lessons and i'm very thankful for that thank you for for taking this time. Is there anything else that as you've kind of gone through this list of stuff, is there any like encouragement that you would give to people? Maybe some just practical instruction is, is there maybe thinking about planning or, or doing something like this block party in, in their communities? I would say this, my favorite part about this type of ministry is the people of your church realize that they're really effective at it and more than they think they are, you know, like, there was just people having conversations and making friends and we're like surprised about it the next day. Like, wow, I don't have any training in peopling or like, I'm not a pastor, you know, I'm, and I made tons of friends yesterday. Like people were standing around when we were cleaning up, still talking, being like, you're pretty good at this. And it's like, or you're just a person. And like, there's other people and they want to get to, you know, like people don't know, don't realize that. And I want to encourage other churches, like, I think we set up walls kind of like we need to hire a person who can do evangelism or we need to hire a person who helps orchestrate these things. Evangelism is not my gift. Yeah. <laughs> Get that yeah, yeah. out of here, man. It is though. It is. It's just uh, stepping out of your comfort zone a little and like you can do it. And that we saw that and our people see that in such a natural interaction like this. So awesome. I think the one, one thing like the block party, it's like, it's a thing uh, you can do. It's not the thing. There's a lot of situations. I'm thinking like a rural congregation. Like you're not going to throw a block party, but you might throw a, like a ludicrous feed or something nice. like that. Nice. But maybe instead of thinking of it as uh, as a fundraiser for your operating budget mm-hmm. and funding your church through non-Christians, you know, I encourage you to think more along the lines of you have the gospel inside of you, and the more people that get to know the real you the more they get to know that real gospel you know it's maybe more of the the gospel message of the incarnation Mm -hmm. that the block party is really doing it's jesus who has come to be with you who's come to live in your sorrows and who knows you and cares enough to listen to you and and experiences all that it means to be you like the church needs to do that more Mm -hmm. needs to have more opportunities to be that incarnational presence in the world and 
I think the block party is an opportunity to do that, but you could do whatever sort of program, whatever sort of event to help foster more of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think we need more and more of Christians interacting with non-Christians in settings where they don't have like the higher ground. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and that's, yep. that's nervous, right? Uh, Cause we like, having a moral high ground we like having a a special setting where people come to us and we have the thing to give them and we know that we're higher up than them like as creatures we kind of tend towards that but i think we need more opportunities where christians and non-christians are on the same level they can get to know each other and experience that the gospel produces good fruit mm-hmm. that's really what the block party was about is helping people get a positive taste of what Christianity does for you. So this is about 10 seconds and I want to add on to what Matt said. It's just a number of the people who interact with us who are like actively like, Oh, I don't want to be a part of the church are like, but I love the stuff you guys do. And I want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that's where we yeah. get to have some of those things where we're like, you realize you kind of, you kind of are a part of the church. And that's what the church's mission is, is to do, you know, to love and serve the community like you see. Here. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really cool to have people who think that they don't want the gospel actively interacting with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of trusting that the Lord is the one who well, not kind of trusting that the Lord is the one who is going to change hearts and having them continuing to interact with you constantly gives the opportunity Mm -hmm. for that change and for you guys to be able to trust that the Lord is going to bring you along with that. So as we wrap up, one of the questions that we like to ask our guests is if there's a Bible verse that brings you encouragement as you go throughout ministry. I'm going to cheat because I preached on this yesterday, Uh, but I think it's it's related to this. I'll allow it. Luke twelve thirty two, the little line, fear not little flock, uh, for it pleased your father to give you the kingdom. The riches that we have, it's paid for in the past. It's done in the past. Before we even fell into sin, God desired to redeem us from it. And before any of that took place, you know, I mean, that's, he desires to be gracious to us. And I'm thinking like, as we engage in evangelism in this in this world, we can be tempted to not do the work that God has given to us because we're worried that he's not going to actually be with us. We can be feel that way, but it's like, no, the father, he wants to, to bring his kingdom about. Like, he wants that. And that just is a reminder, like, he cares more about what we're doing than we do. And so, you know, we can trust him. We don't have to be afraid that he's going to abandon mm-hmm. us. Like he cares more about what we're doing than we do. So I was just looking at, uh, cause I had time while Matt was talking, but I was thinking of, uh, well, first Corinthians nine, 19 through 23. And I haven't narrowed it down specifically as much as, but where Paul's talking about being all things to all people, you know, he's become a, a slave in that way. And, you know, I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine saying, you know, Jesus is tough with <laughs> tough and tender at all the times. He speaks to a lot of those who need it, and he's, you know, soft to those who haven't heard it and brings the gospel in those moments. And I just 100% agree. And I think, like, we don't need to do do away with all the 
good theology and discipleship that happens within the church. That's good stuff. But in moments like these, it's good to just bring down some of those barriers and, and love people um, just as they are. So mm-hmm. let God do the work, like you said. Nice. So as I think about all that your church is doing, I'd like to leave you and our listeners with this benediction found in 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 12 and 13. It says this, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Matt and Paul, thank you so much for being our guests today on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This was great. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it was really good to hear your perspective, and I hope that uh, our listeners will glean from it and see and adapt it into their own context as you guys were sharing. So it was fantastic. A lot of good, challenging thoughts there for us, which is awesome. Great. So that's going to do it for us with Grace for the Grind. If you... Wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with a friend or a colleague or a loved one. That would be incredibly helpful. Don't forget to sign up for notifications so that when the podcast drop, you can be one of the first ones to listen to it. And we will catch you next time. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grace for the Grind, a CLB North American Missions podcast. For more resources like this, check out clbforge.org.